Welcome back to Ball With Y'all. It's Thursday, and you know that that means we've got a full show on tap today. Thanks, as always, for joining us here today. Before we begin, just a reminder to like, subscribe, rate, review, and take part in our polls if you support what we are doing here at Ball With Y'all. Don't forget, you can also send us your thoughts, your hot takes, your questions using the email in the description, and you can check us out on Instagram at Ball With Y'all Podcast. We are kicking off week 11 here, but before we get into the games... Let's first jump into our leading storylines from the week so far. So just a couple of days ago, we had our second release of the college football playoff rankings. We saw six SEC teams ranked with Mississippi State and Kentucky both dropping out after their losses last week and Arkansas jumping into the top 25 after that big win at home against Mississippi State. The top six teams featured Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and Michigan. Here's a fun stat that might be important for those six fan bases. Of the 28 teams to reach the college football playoff since it first started in 2014, 24 of those teams were ranked in the top six at this point in the season. So odds are that our eventual top four could come out of the top six that we see here today. Another fun stat. So there could be some good news for the Alabama and Georgia faithful out there. Of the last six college football playoff champions, every single one of them have been ranked in the top two with just five weeks remaining. The last six national champions, Alabama last year, they were ranked number one at this point in the season, LSU number one in 2019, and Clemson number two in 2018, Alabama number two in 2017, Clemson number two in 2016, Alabama number two in 2015, and then lastly, our first college football playoff national champion, the number eight Ohio State Buckeyes at this point in the season. So history tells us we just might already know who could be our national champion just based off of the past few years. Now, looking at the projected lines for the top four right now, Georgia would be an eight-point favorite against Ohio State, and Alabama would be a ten-and-a-half-point favorite against Oregon. Again, the first-round matchups likely would not be too close based off of those projections right there, but our national championship game could be a sight to behold. One big storyline that came out of this, of course, you saw Michigan State drop four spots after their loss against Purdue, dropping just behind Michigan despite a head-to-head win against the Wolverines. Now, here's the deal. Michigan State's loss is worse than Michigan's loss, of course. Michigan lost to a very strong Michigan State team. Michigan lost to a Purdue team that is finally, just now, this week, ranked. It's pretty simple. You compare the records, you compare their strength of schedule, compare the resumes, it's pretty simple. But Michigan State, like I said earlier this week, Michigan State, if they just went out, they will make the playoff. They control their own destiny. So it's not a big deal right now where their position is. kind of like I've talked about before with Alabama. You went out, you're going to make the playoff. Michigan State, if you win out, you are going to make the playoff. It doesn't matter. You got that win against Michigan. Everything else is in front of you if you are a Spartan fan. Another big storyline for this week, it actually came out, I want to say, Monday morning, Sunday night, somewhere in that neighborhood. We didn't mention it specifically on the Monday show because we mainly focused on Dan Mullen, but Florida fired both their defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, as well as their running game coordinator slash offensive line coach, John Havesi. I think I saw that their linebackers coach, Christian Robinson, he will assume defensive play calling duties for now. And this feels like just yet another sign of the end for Dan Mullen. Specifically, if you consider the firing of John Havesi. Havesi has been with Dan Mullen for quite a while. I think he's been a coach alongside or underneath Mullen since about 2001 or so. He came over from Mississippi State when Mullen left Mississippi State. So I don't think it's a good indication for Dan Mullen. I don't believe that Dan Mullen would have fired Havesi. 
It seems pretty clear that Havasi's removal was actually just a leadership decision. It was not Mullen's call, which means that we could have more leadership decisions, quote unquote, here in the near future. I don't think this is like Nebraska the other day where they announced their head coach, Scott Froster, is coming back another year hours before they fired basically all of their assistants. I see this as a last ditch effort to see if Mullen can pull it all together. And if not, they've already started clearing house. Honestly speaking, it seems like it just might be time for the Florida Boosters to get their pocketbooks ready to pay out that $12 million buyout to get rid of Dan Mullen. Now, before we get into our picks for the week, I am told that we have a familiar friend of ours on the line. He's probably wanted to give his thoughts on the state of the Notre Dame football program or something along those lines. Dylan from New Jersey, you are on with Ball With Y'all. What do you got for us? Hey, Sean. Dylan from New Jersey, giving you a call. Hope all is well in Florida. You know, looking ahead, you know. Notre Dame just beat uh, Navy. Not too bad, not too bad win. But I feel like when I give you a call, I'm always positive, you know. I'm always, you know, going for Notre Dame. But I got something new that I, I, I want to bring to your attention. Well, two quick things. Notre Dame is going to lose against Virginia. Why I think that, the way Brian Kelly has been running some things, you know, our flaws are currently out there. We had a lot of what-ifs. And... Because I think we're going to lose to Virginia, I got another really hot take fresh off the press for you. You know, us folks in New Jersey, we've been talking a lot heavily. Brian Kelly will be the next head coach for the University of Southern California. Kirk Herstreet a couple weeks ago reported that, you know, um, Brian Kelly can be a more perfect fit. And I think it's going to happen. Brian Kelly, it's kind of no-brainer. He knows he can't win a championship at Notre Dame. He just he can't get the big recruits. He can't compete against Ohio State and the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. But, you know, going out to that Pac-12 wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, University of Southern California, USC, they're, they're looking for a coach that's just going to come in, you know, get some recruits and just win ball games. And I think Brian Kelly, I think as far as, you know, recruiting and just winning ball games, I think there's no one really better. So tell me your thoughts on that. I, like I said, I, I think Notre Dame, I think they're going to lose against Virginia, but also looking forward, unfortunately, I think this is the last ride for Brian Kelly. We know he's not going to win a national championship. You know, and us us fans are tired of going to the playoff and just, you know, coming up short. But that's all I had today. But, you know, if I still got a couple more minutes, you know, I like to tell you a couple of jokes that I came up with, you know, just, you know, you know, reminiscing here in New Jersey, you know, I got a couple of jokes that I want to tell you. I got three of them. So if you got a couple minutes, let me share them with you. So first one, what's the difference between Wake Forest and a dollar bill? Well, you can still get four quarters out of a dollar bill. Next, how do you make Michigan State University cookies? You put them in a game against Purdue, and you beat them for three hours. And lastly, and I'm sure this is your favorite one, what do the Auburn Tigers and a possum have in common? Both play dead at home and get killed on the road. Talk to you later, Sean. Bye. <laughs> I uh, we have a pretty we have a pretty intense screening process for this show, but I really never know what Dylan is going to say when he calls in. I really did love that Auburn joke, Dylan. Thank you so much for giving that to us here today. Let's let's work our way back here a little bit, right? Uh, so Brian Kelly to USC. Honestly, I don't hate the idea whatsoever. One of the biggest things that has hindered Notre Dame and kept them from being a championship caliber program, in my opinion, has been not being in a conference. 
I think that helps your ability to recruit. I think that helps your strength of schedule. And of course, as we're seeing now, it sets you up with a strong playoff resume. Plus, if you look at all the independents that are now going from being independents to actually joining conferences, you think of Liberty, I believe they're joining the CUSA. I also think UConn is considering joining the CUSA as well. BYU, they're going from being independent to go to the Big 12. So it seems like the idea of being an independent school is going to be an anomaly here in the near future. Honestly, I don't think it happens. I don't see Brian Kelly going to USC, but it is a pretty interesting thought nonetheless. You know, if if he does leave, who replaces him? You know, I don't, I'd love to hear your opinion, Dylan, if you have any thoughts on this. Is there someone on staff? You know, I know at one point in time, I believe Marcus Freeman, he actually left Cincinnati as their defense coordinator to now be Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. There might be a good tie in there. I don't necessarily know if there's someone on staff that could replace him or if they would bring someone from the outside uh, that's a good job, of course. It's not necessarily the best job in the world, but it is a great job. It's a storied program. So if Brian Kelly was to leave Notre Dame, I would say that would be priority number one or the top headline in the offseason. Who would Notre Dame give the keys to that program to? I don't really know that we have the answer right now. And uh, like I said, Dylan, if you have any thoughts on that, feel free to let us know next week. We'd love to get your thoughts on that front. As far as the Virginia game this week, I will get into it shortly, but I don't think you're crazy. Virginia's offense is insane right now. I think they're top four or so on, somewhere in that neighborhood, but their defense is a joke. And your offense is averaging 200 rush yards per game over the last four games. So it seems like you're starting to turn the corner just a little bit. I know there are deficiencies like you talked about, but it seems like you might be clicking at the right time. So uh, thanks so much for the call, Dylan. It is so great to hear from you. It's also great to see that Notre Dame is actually progressing up the college football playoff rankings right now, which means you continue to have a reason to give us a call. So thank you, Notre Dame. Thank you, Brian Kelly. And once again, thank you, Dylan from New Jersey. Now on to our picks. Last week, we did something remarkable, something that I don't think could ever be duplicated, although we've done it twice this year. In fact, I think it's more impressive than getting everything right. We got absolutely every game wrong against the spread last week, but we did go four and four straight up on the year that puts us at 28 and 48 against the spread and 48 and 28 straight up. So sounds like maybe we should just start picking only straight up moving forward. That would help our cause. It seems like it's in our wheelhouse a little bit more at this point in time. The schedule doesn't get any easier this week with a ton of big games this weekend with some pretty prominent ramifications as well. Let's take a look at our top eight games from the weekend ahead. We will start off with Dylan from New Jersey's Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They are a five and a half point favorite. Visiting Virginia this week, the over-under is sitting at 64 and a half points. Notre Dame, they have not lost to Virginia ever. And they won the last matchup in 2019, 35-20. to 20. Notre Dame's quarterback, Jack Cohn, he has to be coming in with some confidence here. Last week, he went 23 of 29 at 269 passing yards, one touchdown, and a quarterback rating of 168.6. Also, no interceptions, which is a big accomplishment for Jack Cohn. Notre Dame, they have a bottom 35 rush attack. They're only gaining 133 yards per game on the ground. But like I mentioned earlier, their last four games, they've been averaging over 200 yards per game, which is a big accomplishment. And it also seems like they are progressing in the right direction. Their past game is top 40. They have been impressive given all the issues at quarterback so far. Their pass defense isn't exactly great. It's ranked around 65th or so, giving around 230 yards per game in the air. But they're still better than Virginia's. Virginia's pass defense is bottom 40, giving up nearly 250 yards per game in the air. Virginia, they have the nation's second best pass offense at just over 400 yards per game in the air. The Cavaliers also have the 11th best scoring offense at just under 40 points per game. 
Virginia there led by Brennan Armstrong at quarterback who had four touchdowns and nearly 350 passing yards against BYU last week. Both teams, they will look to win this game through the air. And a lack of strong defense means that we might see some points here. Virginia's pass offense will give Notre Dame fits in my opinion, but Virginia's 122nd best defense. There's only 130 teams. They have the ninth worst defense in the country. And that defense will not get in the way of Jack Cohn, nor will they get in the way of that fighting Irish offense. I say Notre Dame will win a high-scoring affair. Notre Dame wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 41-30, fighting Irish. Moving over to the SEC East, where the South Carolina Gamecocks will be visiting the Missouri Tigers. Missouri is a one-point favorite at home, the over-under sitting at 50 Five points. All time, the series has been pretty even. Missouri does own the series six to five, and they have won the last two. These two programs have similar records, but they feel incredibly different at this point in time. South Carolina, they have overachieved. We talked about it before. They've exceeded all expectations. Their win last week against Florida was incredibly impressive. They hadn't scored more than 23 points a game against an FBS team all season until last week. South Carolina's rush attack has carried them offensively. It's led by Kevin Harris and Zaquandre Wright. Just last week, they had just short of 240 yards combined. Missouri, they are sputtering toward the finish line here. They had high expectations in Eli Drinkowitz's second year, and now they just want to have a merciful end to the season. Missouri last week, they got trounced by Georgia in the last three quarters, essentially. The first quarter, they were they did well. They were winning 3-0 but the offense did nothing to help its already bad defense. You've probably heard me say it before, Missouri's defense is borderline historically bad. I mean, they're worse than Vanderbilt, so that's saying something right there, how bad this program is right now defensively. Missouri's rush defense is ranked second to last in the nation, giving up more than 270 yards per game. So South Carolina could be able to gain a ton of yardage on the ground especially. A lot of this pick hinges on who plays at quarterback for Missouri. If Connor Bazelak can come back, Missouri's offense should turn to its high-flying form. You probably heard last week, Connor Bazelak did not play against Georgia, and that really hindered the offense all game long. I'll make this pick assuming that Bazelak does play, and with that in mind, Missouri needs to rebound. While South Carolina just might be on an emotional high here. I'll say Missouri wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 33-26 Tigers. Moving over to the ACC, we've got a big-time matchup. This could determine one half of the ACC championship game. Wake Forest is a two-point favorite at home, the over-under sitting at 66.5 points. NC State, they own the series here, 67-41-6, and and they won a shootout last year, 45-42. But Wake Forest has won three of the last four between these two teams. The winner of this game, like I said, could decide one half of the ACC championship game. If NC State was to win this game, they are well set up. They could still fall apart here toward the end. We kind of talked about that last week a little bit, or earlier this week, rather. We talked about Clemson's chances to still make that conference championship game. But even still, most likely the winner of this game will make the conference championship game. State has the nation's 24th best pass offense, led by quarterback Devin Leary, who has nearly 2,500 passing yards and 25 touchdowns on the year. Whereas Wake Forest, they have the nation's 11th best pass offense, led by Sam Hartman, who is still in the running for the Heisman Trophy. Offensively, these teams are pretty well-matched, so defense could be the difference. As we talked about before, Wake Forest has a terrible defense. They're ranked 76 in the nation in points allowed per game. NC State, they are tied for the sixth best scoring defense in the nation. They're up there with the Georgias, the Texas A&Ms, the Michigans, and so on. Offense has won games for Wake Forest to this point in time. 
I think they've met their equal here in this game, though, offensively. And the NC State defense will only make matters more difficult. A week ago, I was going to pick this as my big upset of the week. And it's still an upset, but I don't really feel nearly as good about it as I did a week ago before UNC took down Wake Forest. As you all know, it is tough to lose back-to-back -back games. Nonetheless, I'll say NC State wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 45-28, Wolfpack. Moving back to the SEC, we've got a big-time game between the Arkansas Razorbacks and the LSU Tigers. Arkansas is a 2.5-point favorite on the road, the over-under sitting at 59 points. LSU owns the series between these two teams, 42, 22, and 2, and they have won 5 straight and 8 of the last 10. Arkansas, they survived a big test from Mississippi State last week, and they probably did not deserve to win that game. K.J. Jefferson has regressed a little bit in recent weeks, and he was ineffective on the ground for the second straight week last week. Their rush attack has remained strong, though, despite K.J. Jefferson's recent slump. That rush attack is ranked fourth in the nation at just under 245 yards per game gained. LSU, they have one of the nation's worst rush offenses, ranked 116th in the nation, which doesn't help the passing game too much. They also have a number of injuries, and that has been a major area of concern, particularly in the wide receiver room, on the defensive side of the ball. Injuries have made things incredibly difficult for both sides of the ball. Last week, Max Johnson did well against a not-so-great Alabama secondary. When pressured, he did make mistakes, though. And I would say that Arkansas should look to do the same here as well. They should look to replicate that game plan if they want to make things difficult for the LSU offense. Arkansas, they have a top 30 pass defense, only allowing 195 yards per game in the air. They haven't been super impressive as of late, but they shouldn't have too much trouble here against a depleted LSU team. I'll see Arkansas wins. They cover and the under hits will go 27-13 Razorbacks. Moving over to another SEC contest where we've got the Mississippi State Bulldogs visiting the Auburn Tigers. Auburn is a five and a half point favorite at home. The over-under is sitting at 50 points. Auburn owns the series between these two teams, 65, 27, and 2, and they have won the last two. Both programs, they are coming off of deflating losses. Auburn, they had the life sucked out of their offense against Texas A&M last week, only scoring three points and leaving Bo Nix looking helpless. Mississippi State, like I said, they probably deserved to win that Arkansas game. They gave it away, missing three field goals, including a potential game-tying one to end regulation. We've talked about it before. Mississippi State's pass offense is ridiculous. Mike Leach has Will Rogers slinging it left and right. And they rank fifth in the nation as a result at 376 yards per game in the air. Now, comparatively, Auburn's pass defense isn't terrible. They rank somewhere in the 58th neighborhood or so, giving up around 225 yards per game. Their offense has been pretty balanced this year under Brian Harson. The Tigers love to run the ball with Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby. The only problem? Mississippi State has the nation's 11th best rush defense at just over 100 yards allowed per game. So it's good on good here. State has the advantage against Auburn's defense, but if they couldn't put it away against Arkansas last week, I don't see them faring well here either. Don't forget, just a couple weeks ago, Auburn did very well against a high-flying Matt Corral-led offense for Ole Miss. I would say that we will probably see something of the same here. I see Auburn bouncing back, winning, covering, and the under-hitting will go 24-16 Tigers. Now on to our biggest games of the week. We're going to go out of conference here for a moment. I guess technically Oklahoma will be in our conference here shortly. But still, out of conference just for a moment, Oklahoma, they are five and a half point favorite on the road, visiting the Baylor Bears. The over-under is sitting at 63 points. 
Oklahoma has dominated this series throughout history. They lead the series 28-3, and they have won the last seven in the series. Just a couple weeks ago, we talked about how this game could play a major role in shaping the conference championship game. After a disappointing loss to TCU last week, though, Baylor is all but eliminated at this point. But that doesn't mean that they're not looking to play spoiler here themselves. Baylor's defense has slacked off a little bit as of late, but its offense continues to be one of the nation's best. They rank top 20 in both scoring offense and total offense. So Oklahoma's usually poorest defense probably will not stop them from moving the ball here either. Of course, Oklahoma's offense has gotten back on track with Caleb Williams at quarterback, and they're a threat to score basically every time they touch the field. My biggest difference maker here is the defense. It seems like the offenses are pretty equal here, but the defenses are substantially different. Baylor has the nation's 27th best scoring defense, while Oklahoma has the nation's 60th best defense. So if Baylor's defense can be even remotely consistent, they haven't really done it lately, but if they can be consistent here, they're good enough to win this game. I think Dave Aranda gets it done at an awkward 11 o'clock kick, well, 11 o'clock central time, and I would say that Baylor will win this game. Baylor wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 44-38 Bears. On to our last two picks for this week. The Georgia Bulldogs, they are a 20 and a half point favorite visiting the Tennessee Volunteers. The over-under is sitting at 56 points. This has been a pretty even series throughout history. Georgia does lead the series 25 at 23 and two. They've won the last four in the series as well as nine of the last 11. This is also the first game like we talked about a little bit earlier this week in Neyland Stadium for Tennessee since the Ole Miss incident where they were throwing mustard and golf balls and so on on the field. Hopefully the fans have learned their lesson here. I think this one could be a lot of fun. Honestly, Tennessee, they are coming in with a lot of confidence winning a shootout against Kentucky last week. Kentucky's defense had usually been so strong this year, but Tennessee took advantage and took advantage quickly all night long. Hampton Hooker could just be the best quarterback that Georgia faces all regular season for Tennessee. Tennessee's defense isn't great, honestly. They're ranked bottom 35 in total defense and many other metrics, but their offense usually makes up for it. Georgia, of course, they have hummed offensively and they won't get challenged here on that side of the ball either. Stetson Bennett, he will be able to run the ball. He'll be able to throw the ball all over that Volunteers defense. So what's the real story here? Again, 15th best scoring offense for Tennessee against the best scoring defense in the nation for Georgia. This might upset some Georgia fans out there, but I think that this Tennessee offense will give you a scare this week. I don't see Tennessee winning the game by any stretch of the imagination, but I do see them keeping Georgia honest. And finally, maybe, potentially, possibly, exposing that Georgia defensive secondary. I'll say Georgia wins, Tennessee covers, and the under hits will go 30-24 Bulldogs. And our last game, I believe College Game Day will be in town for this game. Texas A&M will visit Ole Miss. Texas A&M is a two and a half point favorite. The over-under is sitting at 55 and a half points. Texas A&M has smothered Ole Miss historically. They lead the series nine to one. Technically it's nine to three, but of course two of those Ole Miss wins got vacated due to the whole recruiting scandal. But still, history is on the side of the Aggies here. A&M is sitting pretty right now. Like I've said before, if they win out, they just might find themselves in the conference championship game. They'll need some help, but if they win out, they'll be in good position to potentially get there. Ole Miss did win last week, but their intensity did fall off toward the end as Liberty attempted to mount a comeback. Just like many of the games that we are seeing lately, this game is also good on good. Well, kind of good on good. Ole Miss has one of the nation's best offense, while A&M has the second best scoring defense in the country, right behind the Georgia Bulldogs. Ole Miss, though, they have a really bad defense. Bottom 30. 
bottom 30 in the country for Ole Miss. We thought at one point in time that Ole Miss's defense was improving. That is not the case. They are pretty bad defensively. They're giving up more than 430 yards per game. But Texas A&M's quarterback, Zal Calzada, has not really impressed me at all. You know, of course, he had that one game against Alabama where he was incredible. But beyond that, he has not done well this year. But even he should be able to put up some points against this Ole Miss defense. On paper, Texas A&M is the better team. They are playing better. They are more consistent. They are more balanced. But sometimes in games like this, in a night environment in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, there's a magic you just can't predict. I think Matt Corral captures that magic and pulls off the upset here right alongside Lane Kiffin. I'll say Ole Miss wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 38-30, to 30, Rebels. To recap, we are going in Notre Dame, Missouri, NC State, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Georgia, and Ole Miss. From start to finish, we've got a packed lineup of games this weekend that will definitely rock the college landscape come Monday. Whatever happens, you know that we'll be here on Monday to discuss it all. Enjoy the games this Saturday, have a great weekend, and we'll catch y'all next week.